podcast where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hey, welcome back to This Is Happening. This is Eric Morris. And this is Doug Buden. Hello. We're also here with our producer extraordinaire, Ryan. He's got his fingers at the buttons. He's pressing things. I've just adjusted the volume. It should have sounded better by now, even. We could not do this without Ryan Leslie Fisher. Thank you so much. Our Our guest, you know, today we have a legit guest. Um, I, know, I feel like I'm a little <laughs> underdressed. It's a little bit of a celebutant in the Yes, house. I mean, someone who has done actual things. <laughs> he's, he's, he's written and directed movies. All, he's got the I, the M, the D, and the B. For actual studios. It's not just like some web thing. Some random <laughs> we picked up off the street at our undisclosed location. We are here with the illustrious and super talented... And all around great guy, Darren Stein. Hey guys. Yay, Darren Stein. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you. He's here. Um, you've de- definitely been like you know one of the people that, that I've wanted to have you know on the show just kind of like emblematic of what we like to do we like to talk to people about their you know um, creative evolution and you know how they end up doing what they do um, and I think you've had an amazing career you got a really um, early start you were you were kind of a phenom you know, in your 20s. A you, wunderkind. You know, you hit... A wunderkind. You hit Hollywood. You know, you took Hollywood by, by storm when you first got here. Um, and, you know, and it's just been an exciting uh, ride ever since, I'm sure. Thank you. And, you know, all of us around this table have various connections to you. Um, you know... Now, this is true. This is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Darren, I, I mean, with all of our guests... We had like a, a substantive game of Jewish geography. Yeah. Every everyone mm-hmm. in the room has a motive. I mean, like <laughs> we all know Darren uh, individually and separately from That's each other. That's true. We have a, we have we know a lot of people in common. Um, Darren, do you have any friends in Indonesia? <laughs> I've never been to because Indonesia. It sounds quite exotic. I hate to interrupt what will be a fascinating and scintillating introduction. But we forgot to say hello to our dear listeners in Indonesia. We mustn't forget. We have a we big do. fan base, wow. a.k.a. A sleeper cell, in Indonesia. <laughs> and so we must say welcome and hello, Indonesia. We're thinking of you. Thank you, Jakarta. We appreciate the listens. <laughs> and, and welcome, Darren Stein. Thank you, Indonesia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, but when I was looking at your, um, you know, your credits and things... Um, your first film mm-hmm. was called Sparkler, mm-hmm. right? And um, a good friend of ours, Stephen Petrarca, mm-hmm. is one of the leads in that. Yes, he is. Right? It's one yeah. of his big... Is there compromising footage? He, left, he <laughs> left Hollywood shortly after Sparkler. <laughs> Did he? Well, well didn't he? He got out of business. It took him a while. <laughs> yeah. he, he hung around for a while. Yeah. He played yeah. a Nazi on a Will and Grace episode. Yeah. That was, I think, his one final, mm-hmm. you know, uh, final job gifted to him by his uh, now husband. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know he's a friend of ours, mm-hmm. and and uh, Googie Grass is in that film. Oh, yeah, Googie an, is another friend That's of ours. Crazy. I actually didn't see Sparkler. I, I should have brought you. I could have brought you a DVD. Oh, I, oh yes. I would struggle to find. Oh, you know what? I have a little um, little thing over yeah, there where I can plug it into DVD player. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> the only way that I can watch DVDs. Yes, I, but that's not helpful, Eric, because Darren didn't bring it. So that's true. well done, you. You have a DVD player. We don't have a DVD. <laughs> yes. It's really it's Next increasingly time, hard to watch a DVD. Regretfully, Sparkler is not available anywhere streaming. I, I have got to get that film. I mean, I just made a film in I 2019 that is primarily released on DVD. Yay me! But you know what's so funny? <laughs> Video, like you can just. You can. I haven't. That's, it's, is, I bet, it, I, I, is it good? It is a good film. Well, I bet, I've been remiss. We need to do it. You know, it's so funny. I actually got a call yesterday out of the blue from Veronica Cartwright, <gasps> who's also. And sparkler. Yes. I think Clyde, I think I broke Park my overall. leg. 
Park overall, yeah. she's someone else who left Hollywood after no, shortly after Sparkler. Oh, you're no, you're no, no, people out of there. <laughs> Step <laughs> away. Um, <laughs> no, Park. You know what? I, I think I've done it now. <laughs> That's uh, Veronica. Like oh, well, Park. The Park got into politics after Sparkler, oh, shortly sure. thereafter, and left the business, which is. Strange because she's such a great actress. She really is talented. Is she in representative government somehow? Is she on a school she moves, board? She moves to, uh, back to where she's from, which is I think South, Georgia, somewhere. Tennessee, yeah. Jonesboro. Ar- yeah. No, she's from Arkansas. Perhaps. She was an know. actress on Empty Nest. Empty Nest, and she won. I think she won a Tony for Biloxi Blues. She worked with Bill okay. Simon. She's great. I well, saw her in that. I she was, hear yeah, she played the okay. Yeah, yeah, I okay. Hear how you got I will. these people. Veronica called me out of the blue yesterday. I mean, it's always exciting to get a call is from Veronica. Your, oh is she God. in your cell phone? Did you know? Yes. It, it said okay. Veronica. I okay. was in the car with a friend who just moved here from uh, San Francisco. It's his first day here, and he's apartment hunting, what have you. And you were driving around saying, I know celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to. The phone rang, darling. Well, it, the know, phone simply like, rang. See, <laughs> what happened? Uh, <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> um, Veronica called, and she said, Darren, it's Veronica. I, um... I mean, this, I, I, they, they're having a screening of Invasion of the Body Snatchers at this at this place in Salem, Massachusetts. Is that a town? Yes, of course. Salem. It's where they they witch trial. No, you're right. No. They fly you first class. It was sold out, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the guy who runs it had a sparkler postcard. I guess he was having her sign it. I don't know. And, you know, Veronica suggested they do a screening of Sparkler. And the guy's like, I would love to do a screening of Sparkler. So we are now going to be doing a screening of Sparkler in Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, which is exciting because... I saw you... Goody Good with the Devil. Maybe Petrarca yeah. will make it. I would love to buy Petrarca. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be more exciting than uh, actually getting a call from a celebrity for your friend moving up from San Diego. San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Oh. No, he was super excited because of... Yeah. Which is a beast. I mean, Veronica Cartwright. I had to explain to him. She is brilliant. But as soon as I mentioned, which is a beast wiki, you know, had a meltdown. Yeah. I mean, she's brilliant. Oh, no, I know. She's that's, so good. I, I, I appreciate And that. so underrated. That's how, does not work enough. How did you get her... So if that was your first film, so mm-hmm. can, tell me about the cast. I'll tell you. Okay, so Sparkler was cast by, and I'm sure someone that you guys know, being, you know, having lived in L.A. for quite some time, Joseph Middleton. Oh, I yes. do know Joseph yeah. Middleton. Yeah. I know Joseph Middleton. He's now the head of casting for Paramount. Yeah. And he... He, he actually worked out of an office that, oh, cool. I, that I worked in at yeah. one point. Right. So did you... You knew you had to hire a casting director. Well, you always need a casting director, right. you know. Um, and, and when you're making an indie film, the budget is sort of like uh, contingent on the cast you get. Oh, sure. Cast is very meaningful. And so uh, it was Joseph's idea to cast Park. Because I kind of... I remember I wanted Kathy Baker... You know, for, who's amazing, right? And he's like, well, I think, you know, Park overall is the one for this. And I remember I was like 20, 25, 26 when we, were, when we were casting that, or 27, very, very young. And part of the deal was Joseph was going to get a co-producer credit, he was casting it, and I had to listen to him. Like, that was sort of part of, and that sounds weird to say, but, you know, I was young, and of course I'm listening to Joseph Middleton. He's, he had already cast, like, the oh, junior... you mean investors were like, you have to listen to him. Well, the producers were sort of like, I don't know okay. how it was said exactly, but I did, I did remember that I had to really... Um, you were a newbie. No, of course. Yeah. Which is yeah. great, because he's a pro. Yeah, I was lucky like, to have him. Yeah, perfect. So, Park, you know, he really wanted Park. I remember thinking, oh, she's not that big of a name, but, but she was actually very right for the role, and so that was, like, a, a done deal. And then it came time for, and I'll tell you a Freddie Prince Jr. story as well, because he's in the film too. Freddie and Freddie Jamie, Prince and, Jamie Jr., yes. and Jamie Kennedy. Um, it came time to cast this, this role called Dottie Delgado. And Dottie Delgado had been a head cheerleader in high school, and she'd been telling, and she and Melba, who was Park, Park Overall's character, were best friends from Victorville, a small town on the way to Vegas. And Dottie moved to Vegas to become a showgirl. So she's been sending postcards saying, I'm a big showgirl, the Tropicana, this glamorous life, what have you. So when she, basically these three boys are from LA, their car breaks down to Victorville, she follows them to Vegas and sees them as a way out of her life. Because if it wasn't for earrings, falls off when she's dancing with them at this roadside bar. (laughs) And her husband was cheating on her. Anyway, she goes to Vegas and she looks up Dottie from high school. And Dottie turns out to be working at a strip club called The Crack, which is a divey... Ooh. Sleazy. Yeah. It doesn't sound nice. It name. It doesn't sound really. Yeah. And, and Veronica. Just, a strip club. Go. It's called the Crack, and she's being kept by this butch lesbian named um, Ed, who Park uh, Melba, who's very innocent, thinks Ed's a man at first, but it turns out she's a butch lesbian, and she and Veronica are, are wives in, this, in the in the movie. And Ed is played by Sandy Martin. Who you guys know Sandy? Sandy Martin. 
Oh young, yeah, yeah. The, uh, who's a? She uh, was on three billboards. A she butch was, actress. Yeah, yeah. Three billboards. She was a uh, have another uh, Napoleon Dynamite grandmother. She plays okay, the she mother has, of someone. She's in on three billboards. Um, Ray Donovan now. She's just brilliant. Yeah, she's actress. really, really good. Brilliant. So anyway. And isn't Grace Zabriskie's in the film? And oh, mm-hmm. so good. Grace plays Park's mom. It's a great oh, cast. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, uh, Joseph, it came time to cast Dottie, and Joseph really wanted, um, this is, I do love these dishy stories. It's just us and Indonesia. It's just us and everybody else. <laughs> all, your, all, your, all your friends. <laughs> um, Joseph really wanted um, Christine Ebersol. For oh. The role. Yes, of course. Oh, that's a thankless task. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> mm. You're not a fan of Christine's? No, I love I love yeah. her as an actress, but right. I mean, personally, I've, I've heard just, you know. Really? She's difficult. And yet a dear friend of ours has understudied her on three shows on Broadway. Okay. Three Lovely. Thrice. Anyway, I really wanted Veronica. Yes. Because I was a really big fan of Alien, and which is a beast flick, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and... Um, and the birds... The Birds. I mean, she worked with Hitchcock as a, as a girl. Yeah. She was in The Birds, Veronica. Which is the Beast Wing for me. It's, oh, come it's on. It's it. It's the beginning of it. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, long story short, Christine, I remember, came back. She came back. Joseph had her come back again, and she brought cookies for me. Like she so was, did she I. was She wanted that role, you know? Sprinkled cookies? Oh. What were the cookies? No, she made homemade cookies. She made the cookies. They're, she or was they're, good at cookies? Is she they were actor than she is baker? You know what? Cookies are always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? She yeah. was, she was very savvy to do that. Okay. But guess what? It wasn't getting her cast because I was, I really had my yeah, heart, you set had your heart set on Veronica. On Veronica. And the thing is, Veronica and Christine are just—they're both brilliant. They're just different. Mm-hmm. Like, like Christine's broad and bought, and, and it's, 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 it's Veronica is gra- I call her like graphic. It's sort of like um, visceral. Mm-hmm. And the movie has a visceral quality to it, so I really wanted Veronica. It's an embarrassment of riches for you. Yeah. Your Long story short. I got Veronica. Yeah. And at the screening afterward, at the screening we had the cast and crew screening. Joseph came up to me after Joseph Middleton came up to me afterwards, and he goes, "You were right." Oh. About Veronica. About Veronica. So that was nice because you know it's Joseph fucking Middleton. He's a brilliant casting director. Yeah. And I wasn't listening to him for that part. I was. I kind of pulled the card, and I was like, "No, I really want Veronica, and I, I need to have her." Now, do you, have you since have you worked with or seen Christine Ebersole ever again? I have not worked with her. I, of course, saw her in Grey Gardens. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's wonderful, and I think she's brilliant. But yeah. it just wasn't right for that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't it was wasn't meant to be. You know, I think I, casting. She's not a grudge holder. So oh, sure good, good. I'm sure she's. Fine. She didn't seem like she was. Casting spiritual. You know, casting is very. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens the way it's meant to happen. Certain actors aren't available for roles. Certain actors can't. They don't want to leave L.A. and go to New York. Right. There's, there's a million variables, um, and I don't think I think it was fine. And by the way, Veronica Cartwright and Sandy Martin are friends till this day. Dear best friends. Oh, from that from movie. That movie. Yes. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. So when is the screening going to be insane? I don't know yet. I actually just um, emailed Veronica today to remind her to, to give me the guy's contact info. But, um, yeah. Perhaps wait until the spring. For Salem is quite cold right now. Mm. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so we didn't actually even mention, you know, um, Darren's other credits. Darren is best known probably for the movie Jawbreaker, mm-hmm. which starred Rose McGowan and Judy Greer and Pam Greer and um, lots of other actors. Carol Kane. Um, Carol Kane, who's amazing in it. Looks amazing. Um... And uh, then he also made, uh, you know, what's become kind of like a cult, iconic movie, GBF, um, which is so charming and so needed. Um, You know, another, um, you know, um, addition to uh, high school movies, but, Mm -hmm. you know, one with, like, the focus on gay characters. Mm -hmm. um, Gay characters played by gay actors. Played by gay actors, yes. Unlike other movies. Yeah, which was, was Very. so charming. And then, is it true? Have I read recently that um, that Jawbreaker is being developed as a series? Okay, well, it's very, very a musical. <laughs> well, there was a musical. A musical there wasn't there. A, wasn't there a, we, like, the, a like a cabaret? There's a really great musical of Jawbreaker. Yeah. With music by Jeff Thompson, lyric by Jordan's man, Jordan Mann. I wrote the book. I saw a little yeah. clip of yeah. it, actually. We've, we've had readings and uh, cabaret performances in New York, L.A. It has yet to be on a stage yet. 
It and seems we, like we have, such a There natural. hasn't been a full production of it yet. It seems like such a natural. You know what, I it was, saw a little clip of the, of the you know, song where... Uh, you know, the Rose McGowan character is, like, giving a, a popsicle yeah. and, like, you know, force, forcing her boyfriend to, like, you know, give a little blowjob to a popsicle. It's called oh, Suck It. Which is fun. Yeah, the song is called <laughs> Suck It. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we were very close to getting it made uh, a couple years back with the producers of um, Come Come From Away. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Sue Frost. Did you, guys, did you all see that? Mm, I, I did have not. not seen it. Oh, it's I heard it's great. Good. Oh, yes. I have a friend that's been in it. In Beautiful Toronto. storytelling. I've heard only good things about it. It is. It, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's a it's a story about 9/11 and people that get stranded in Canada. Yeah. And the Canadians are the heroes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm You're part Canadian. Hero. You have You're Canadian. part Canadians. I am. Which part is that? <laughs> amiable. Mm, the nice part. The nice part. Pleasant. I don't think no. Canadians are nice. I think pleasant is. Very mm-hmm. pleasant. That's wonderful. Yes. Mm. Non-threatening. But, so these producers were looking at... Right. Yeah, no, it was very close to getting on the stage. And it actually, it's still being considered by producers in London. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Is there a part for Christina Ebersole? <laughs> you know what? There's only one adult role in, in, the, in the musical. Can we... Can oh, we, really? Let's create a role for is it the Ebersole. Is it the principal? Yeah, what we did in the musical is we combined the Pam Greer and the Carol Can roles... Okay. And so there's like one of So she's role. investigating. Yeah, when we had a reading in New York, actually Jinx Monsoon played that role from, oh. Drag, oh. from Drag Race. Yeah. Because she uh, sings. And, you know, before Jinx was on Drag Race, he had done in Seattle Carrie and Rent. Yeah, I, and, saw, and Jinx's, I just saw Jinx's show at the uh, Joe's Pub. Oh, cool. Um, Isn't he bro- she brilliant? She She's amazing. Oh, and and I've, they, I've, I think with Jinx's And I've been in a, a web series with Jinx. Oh, cool. Well. Yeah. Very cool. Which, Ooh, what, what, what web series is that? Uh, Brandon Rogers' uh, Blame the Hero. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's worth checking out. Do you act? I, I, sometimes, but people <laughs> coerce me, too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hitler's, Hitler's father. A stirring yeah. presence. I did, I, I, the characters you played. I did yes. play Hitler's, Hitler's father, father in Blame the Hero. Did you yeah. see it? Of course I did. Oh, thank you. I just watched it. It was wonderful. It's oh. available uh, on the interweb. It is. That series won a streamy. It's best, mm. best uh, web series and also best... Actor for Brandon Rogers. I thought you were going to say for me. Eric. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I have a tiny blanket, but I play opposite Jack Plotnick, who plays uh, Hitler's mother. I love Jack. Jack, me too. Love Jack. Mm-hmm. Love Jack. Anyway, enough about me. But More back about you. To Darren's <laughs> so, yeah, so Jawbreaker will be on a stage so at that some point. Will happen. It's yes. imminent. It'll, it'll, you know, yeah. that process, I've, I've actually developed musicals. Yeah. I was working with George Firth, who wrote Company. Oh, wow. And he, on his last musical, um, we did a um, we did a workshop of it in New York yeah. and had, you know, all, all kinds of people come see it. And we were going to do a production of it in Chicago. Um, Scott Ellis, I believe, was going to direct it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then George <coughs> died. And so we, oh. we had uh, kind of like, that was it. Yeah, um, at one point we had Kelly yeah. Kelly Devine who direct who did who the choreographer from Come From Away was going to direct Jawbreaker. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, at some point. It does seem like a very natural. It's really fun, and there's been and Mean Girls and Heather's have both been musicals, mm-hmm. so that's why I feel like it'll happen when yeah, it happens. Totally. I'm not really worried about it. And then yeah, we were talking about as a producer who wants to develop the musical as a seri- as a TV series oh. as a half hour series. So that's something I'm I'm sort of. But work, you were in the on. trades for something else. Oh yeah, I just I just sold. Pi- I, I wrote a pilot oh, for the a spy CW. Series. Yeah, we're gonna be finding out in a couple of weeks if that gets picked up. Okay, and that's for. And then a couple of weeks after that, whether or not I'm in it. For what? Just saying, <laughs> Doug, are you yeah. an actor? Yeah. Oh I my know gosh! That. No, he's a very accomplished actor. He's been on Friends, ER, <laughs> Frasier. ER. I've been in stuff this decade as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh, he has a recurring role on Modern Family. <laughs> okay, well, Doug, I do not watch a lot of. I, I no, but, not. no, I don't watch a lot of mainstream TV. Yeah. Like I've seen two episodes of Modern Family. I've never seen a single I've episode done, of Friends. I mean, I was just mentioning my little, you know. Yeah. I've been in a couple of things. Doug is a legit, really fantastic actor. That's great. Really, really talented. Yeah. He's you. not today. Well trained, <laughs> um, but you know, and but on screen. Doug, is, do you sing too? 
I do. Well, that's so yes, cool. he's a good singer. I love that. I also tap dance. I love that. I, I'm taking tap aerobics. Oh, tap aerobics. But what's great about Doug is his <laughs> specificity. I just, I really, I love the tap aerobics. Is very specific. Of Doug's, Doug's acting. beautiful performance. Um, Yes. Yeah, that's what this podcast is. It's about getting done. It's a vehicle a for getting me work. <laughs> yeah. Besides well, the work I do for you, Indonesia. Thank you again. <laughs> Salamat. Oh, that's, um, oh, I, I, I slipped into um, Tagalog again. Filipino. I take it back. That was for the Philippines. <laughs> well, George, who wrote GBF, he and I sold Jawbreaker. We wrote Jawbreaker as a pilot for E two years ago. That was a one-hour reboot. Oh, okay. So it didn't take place in high school. It was just sort of inspired by the tone of it, and it was reimagined as a modern day sort of story. But not in high school. No, it was a bunch. Of, it was a clique of these women. It was very desperate housewives. Okay. They were sort of like Instagram who, influencers. Who accidentally kill a friend? They're at a bachelorette party, <laughs> as you do. Uh, exactly. In Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays there, obviously. Yeah. Especially at the crack. And this, that's that's <laughs> the first movie. See, they're all yeah. It's all good memory. Good memory. <laughs> And so one of the girls in the group, the Rose McGowan kind of character, has this crazy idea to get a, a jawbreaker ball gag and to use it on the, on the, um, the stripper. And they convince their, the bride to have sex with the stripper in the beginning. And so the teaser has this woman like kind of having sex with the stripper, riding him. She, he's got the gag in his mouth and the gag gets, the jawbreaker comes undone and gets stuck in his throat. And so she, he dies with her and with him inside of her. Oh, and this so, is why I won't do s it is for this reason. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a safe, a safe word. Yeah. yeah. And so, and the line of dialogue is, she's like, how long was I riding that dead dick? It's very scandalous. Ooh. I think that was the line of dialogue that helped. And titillating. Helped sell, yeah, I think that, we actually used that line of dialogue in the pitch when we sold it to yeah. eat. To how eat. long was I riding that dead, dead dick? dick. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. You well, don't know, do you? And, know. and speaking of, I... <laughs> Um, Where's this going? No, no, no. I, I. Uh, Speaking of writing a dead dick, <laughs> I watched some of your other interviews in preparing for this. I saw your Hey Queen interview. I love Johnny McGovern, and that was fun. You did it with the with Paul, the yeah. lead of uh, yeah, Paul, the lead of uh, Paul Alcano. Yeah, who was adorable. Um, but I know that you mentioned in that that. Um, uh, Jawbreaker was originally conceived by you as a horror movie. Right. Um, which isn't surprising, you know, just in terms of, like, it begins with this murder, mm-hmm. you know, inadvertent murder. Yeah. But, um... How- I have to say, I am so impressed. You Your actually research. prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, we just kind of show up and... <laughs> Eric, you have stepped it up. Well, I, I am impressed. I think you're always preparing. Thank you. There's catering tonight. I'm mean, oh, like, I love it. I, very I don't, yeah. I mean, so you're you trying to, like... You mess around. Yeah, we're trying to, like, you Is know... Is there security Bring it. At the door? We're trying to I bring mean, it in 2020. Is that who that man was out there? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a security guard up front. <laughs> yes, we're, we're well protected. The cookies are very good, I must say. I, you oh, know, thank you. And thank you to Gelson's. Victor Benes. Premier sponsors. Oh, wow. This is happening. Victor Benes at Gelson's. Visit the one near you and welcome aboard to This Is Happening. Victor Benes, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, like, how you conceived of it and how is it going to be different, you know, as a horror movie? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, did you write a whole script that way? Or did it just, how did it develop into what it became? Um, I meant for it to be a horror film, tonally. Yeah. And then as soon as I began writing the dialogue, the girl speaking, it became darkly comedic. Okay. I couldn't help embrace the humor of it. Yeah. Obviously, I was a big fan of Heather's, which is the first of that trilogy now. It really... Is there a trilogy? What's the Well, third? it's like Heather's, Jawbreaker, and Mean Girls, I guess, uh, okay. if, you, if, you, okay. if you would say. But it's certainly, tonally, you know, yeah. it shares a lot with Heather's. It does. Well, it share, what it shares with Heather's is the three girls and one murder. Yeah. I mean, in Heather's, the idea to murder is Christian Slater's. It's not the girl's. You know what I'm right. saying? Oh, that yeah, that's true. Also, it doesn't happen kind of accidentally too. The first one, yeah, sort of, yeah. Like the first one, like they like there's some accident and they. Well, he tells her it's it's not going to kill her, but I think he really wanted her dead, and so right. you know she dies and she crashes through the table. That's but right. but then there's a body count in Heather's and Shawbreaker is just the one death in the beginning that sort of launches the story. They're different stories. Oh, totally. You know, but and I do... And obviously you were using, you know, like John Hughes movies as an inspiration. Yeah. I was, it was John Hughes. It was Grease. Grease was a huge inspiration. Carrie and Rock and Roll High School. Um, this is my childhood. Right there. Yeah. 
So, you know, all these films were sort of like imbued in it. And um, I think the reason why, part of the reason why it's become cult and like endured all these years is because it has the macabre, the really true darkness underneath it. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people over the years have said, oh, that movie scarred me when I was little. I, I, get the, I see that constantly on the internet. I just saw it today. A lot of young people, <clears throat> and I, that's a, 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 a that's a badge of honor for me. Yeah, when but, someone, yeah, but when a lot of that's like they're one of their favorite movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What? Like a lot of young people say it's one of their favorite movies. Like, well, yeah, because the films that scar you, you never forget. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I would say it was like The Exorcist. What is it for you? The Exorcist. You know. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. That, that movie, yeah. I remember really scarring my <laughs> sister. <laughs> she was way too young to watch it. And yeah. it, it, like the babysitter had it on, and oh, like she just was like not yeah. prepared. What was probably it you, six or seven. What movie um, scarred you? I don't know that any movie scarred me. I certainly remember like The Exorcist made an impression on mm-hmm. me. I remember Foul Play made an impression oh, on me. The albino was the so albino scary. was shocking, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like eight or nine or mm-hmm. ten. Yes. I, we saw that in a movie theater, and yeah. I was I was scared out of my wits, <laughs> and everybody else was laughing, and I thought, "What's wrong with you all?" Oh, I just remember you like they pulled like, you know, like she pulled a book, a, a book the in the library yes. shelf, and you saw this albino's face. It was very shocking. And what's her name? Gave her the brass knuckles. Famous app. What was her name? Who played her friend? Uh, oh, uh, Sokol, Sokol, Arlene Sokol. Okay, is that who I mean? Yeah. Ryan, is there a film that has scarred you? Um, Halloween. Ooh. It's that mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrifying. That's the kind of movie that I avoided. You know, I, I didn't want to see like Halloween or, um, you know, just those slasher movies. That wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Was that you? Did you? Grow I was up not with those? a slasher fan. I, yeah. I was into more um, visceral kind of horror. Whether it was Alien, The Shining, The Exorcist, El- the first Elm Street, which is very much not a slasher. I don't. I, I never that saw that, the Elm Street. Movie. Yeah, they're great. I mean, the imagination. I, I, I enjoy. I, I went to go see the Friday the Thirteenth films. I saw a few of the Halloweens. I'm just not a huge slasher fan. It's not. Yeah. My, it's not my genre. Me neither. But, you know, but I, I appreciate them. Do you remember Audrey Rose? Yeah. Because that, that's the movie that I was thinking of. What? It scared that. Why did that scare you? Um, because when they hypnotized her mm-hmm. and when she became mm-hmm. the previous, I don't even remember, but she was in a previous life, she burned in the car, right? Oh, right, right. I remember in her hand. And it was, um, um, uh, Tony, uh, uh, it was Anthony Hopkins. No, not Anthony Hopkins. Who was it who played the father? I didn't see that movie. Not Tony oh, Curtis. No, no, no. Uh, it'll come to me. Okay, I gotta watch that. But, um, I remember that play, I grew up with the, yeah. Z, with the Z Channel. We had this thing called the Z Channel in LA. It was before home video. Oh, really? It was the first cable station. Uh, Zoe Cassavetti's one of the Cassavetti's sisters made a documentary about it. <gasps> You're the, kidding! It's called the Z Channel. It was like having a film festival in your house. And Audrey Rose, I was on the Z Channel, and it came in the mail with my thing. Anthony Hopkins. It was Anthony Hopkins. Interesting. Oh, Marsha Mason. Audrey Rose. I'm gonna make a yeah. note to myself to watch that. Oh awesome. my god! And she gets hypnotized, see, because she's having problems. Yeah, what and, is the? Um, is it a? I feel like her name horror? was Ivy Templeton. And um, no, you she, they, reg- they regress. The, the the psychologist says, "Go back to a time, go back to a time before you were Ivy," and she kind of curls up into a ball, and then she goes, "Mommy, mommy, mommy." Mommy, mommy, mommy. And she relives this car accident where she burns and she's holding and she's banging her hands on the window and her hands are bleeding like a stigmata, like she's Jesus. And then she's dead, I think. Or maybe she's not. I don't remember. It was 1977. It could be. I don't know. That was a little audition. (laughs) Yes, that's that's on my reel. That's on my reel. I'll tell you what, you got it. You got it. I'm I'm demonstrating quite a lot of rain. Ryan, you got to rub Doug into your your, your sort of the short films you make. Oh, the enemies of Dorothy. Yeah, he'd be a great part of that. You should have. I can't afford him. <laughs> Sadly, I'm cheap. I work for a cookie and a diet coke. He's hilarious. I don't even get full size diet cokes here. Do you see this? Yeah. There's more of those. Not anymore. I those are mine, and somebody drank them. I brought a six pack. There were three left, and now there's only one. But can there we talk? Can we still. argue later? <laughs> okay. We've got Indonesia <laughs> listening to Darren no, Stein. Five minutes of uh, uh, shop talk. Oh no, no 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 that's okay. No. Um, so. We also like to do on this 
show, we like to do like a little kind of deep dive into someone's like origins. And you have a project that kind of lends itself to that called Put the Camera on Me, um, which was a you know film you made after Jawbreaker, very personal, um, based on home movies, I have to imagine. Um, one of the... Um, you know, one of the connections that I have to you is that I know Michael Weiner, um, who you grew up with, uh, because he, he, here in California, he on he a close second Encino, he is writing partners with, um, you know, our friend Alan Zachary, and I went to college with, uh, sorry, sorry, Mark Zachary, and I, I went to college with his brother, mm-hmm. Al, no, Alan Zachary, and I went to college with his brother Mark mm-hmm. Zachary. I'm sorry. Um, and I know both of them through my friend Adam Abraham. Um, I know Adam too. Oh, cool. And I know Adam. So Adam well. uh, was a very good friend of mine in college. He made a movie. What did he do? Uh, he, well, he made a movie called uh, Man of the Century. Right. Um, which I'm in, actually. Um, As <laughs> cousin. No, 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 no. I, I, I you know, I play the the. Uh, Publisher of a newspaper who fired. Well, Man of the Century was like a, had a big independent yeah, film yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Was it a Slam Dance or Sundance? It, was it, like it, it won was. the Audience Award at Slam Dance. Right, right. And then I, I actually helped them get acquired by Fine Line. Oh, cool. Um, I got them a lawyer and helped them whatever. But um, I, I was uh, in that movie, and but um, Adam actually directed me in a college production of. Funny thing happened the way in the forum, mm. um, and he was just you know a very good friend in college. And he's a heterosexual, right? He is heterosexual. Mm-hmm. What is up with these heteros? Yeah. <laughs> what is, is up with these heteros? And he now lives. Let's not give them too much time tonight, England. please. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's how I got to know um, Michael. Jews are confusing though, because Jew, Jewish heterosexuals seem gay. It's or Europeans, same thing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. And so let's, let's <laughs> talk true. about uh, put the camera on me. Okay. So, so let's put the camera really, on Darren. It, 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 Can I first tell t- the title sounds so obnoxious, mm. but let me tell you why it's called that. Okay. Aren't you curious? And go. When back in the 80s, when at the dawn of video, when, when parents would shoot their kids, the camera would be plugged into the TV. So as you'd be getting filmed, there'd be a camera with the uh, cords attached, and you'd see yourself on that TV. And as soon as the, cam- the camera was on you, You'd be like, oh, hi, waving at the camera. Right. And so, put the camera on me, put the camera on me. It was like a common refrain, you know what I mean? And that's where the it title... It was like the, do you hear me now? Exactly. Of, of that and camera. that's where the title came from. So it was less about me as Darren saying, put the camera on me, even though that's what it's about, because it's about my childhood. Anyway, I just felt the, the need to and say that. And your childhood is you know, very well <laughs> documented, because your parents obviously, like, you know, they were, well, they were very they were, film-centric. Well, my, my, my grandparents started a film lab in Hollywood in the 60s. Oh, wow. Called Crest National. They came here from Boston. My dad's family came here from, from Boston. Very cool. And they opened a camera shop in Hollywood. They were processing still photography, just still film. And that grew into 16-millimeter and 35-millimeter film processing. So my, I was raised around celluloid, actual celluloid. Um, not the kind of job that you have connect- Hollywood connections. It was like dad was a producer, dad's the studio head. It wasn't like that, but it was like post production. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. But my dad would come home and the first thing he would do was like wash his hands because he would have been, his hands would be in chemicals. Of course. Um, and so my dad, because he loved technology, he'd bring home the, every new video camera that came out. And the first camera, it was like the it was like the late seventies, and it had a battery pack and it had this VHS deck. It was like this whole thing. And he's like, "This is dad's toy. Do not use this." I was like eight or nine at the time. This is not. This is for adults. And so I put the camera on me. The, the, the film in the very beginning has the earlier films my dad shot, and it opens up with me in this thing. It's called Crazy News. We're doing a newscast, and you know whatever. It's raining meatballs. You know all that silly kid stuff. And you see me on camera have a meltdown because the camera is not on the right person at the right time, and me as the little mini director, director I knew exactly what I wanted, right? And you hear my little voice playing in this high-pitched voice, of course. <laughs> That's the gayest little thing on two wheels. Uh, saying, why is the camera on Lisa? Why is the camera on Lisa? And you just hear this like child melting down. You hear my dad behind the camera laughing. Like, oh, like he knows he's driving me nuts. And right. my, my, my homosexual eight-year-old's not well, having He's also, like, he's probably thinking that, too. Like, oh, God, this kid, what's going to happen? Why is the camera on Lisa? And he's like, ha, 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 ha. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> Um, and, you know, and then the other kids are like, put the camera on Darren, 
put the camera on too because they knew that I was going to like fucking you kill it. You needed the camera. So yeah, so that was that's how the sort of film opens, you know. And yeah. But, but it's about really how I was discovering my identity as a young, as a queer child. Right. On a cul-de-sac full of heterosexual children. There's one other gay kid. Which we all can relate to. Yeah. And there's one other gay kid on the cul-de-sac, Alan, who's also African-American. And one of the films is called Gay as a Whistle, and I put him in a leotard because it was the 80s, and <laughs> moms had their leotards. <laughs> so, I mean, this film called Gay as a Whistle, where they're like a magic coin that he would show straight kids and turn them gay. You know? Oh, I love that. And you wrote this? I wrote it, I directed it. It was supposed to be like a little trailer for a movie, you know? Right. And he'd be like, so the film opens up with <laughs> Alan in a leotard sitting in a rocking chair. And it's a leotard covered in lip prints, pink, red, and magenta lip prints, because that was the gayest one I could find. Of course, I want lip. It's you very rocky horror. Rock. I wanted to be wearing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was putting Alan in the leotard I wasn't probably brave enough to wear. And I remember Alan was not out. We were 10, 11, 12 years old yeah. or whatever. And Alan, I was like, Alan, take your shirt off. We need the leotard to go on your skin. He's like, oh, no, I can't. So he has a ghost, he's wearing a Ghostbusters shirt under the leotard. <laughs> and it opens with him in a rocking chair, and he's like, hi, my name's Ramon, and I've got a little secret for you. I'm as gay as a whistle. <gasps> I've got this coin here that'll turn, make everyone gay when they look at it. Oh, boy, here comes the football team from practice. Watch this. And then the football team comes in, and great scrimmage, guys. I beat the hell out of your team. Oh, it's the gay guy. Shouldn't we beat him up? Yeah. Oh, stop, no, look at my coin, look at my coin. And then he opens the coin, and they're like, oh, I'm gay, roses, bouquets, flowers. And it's funny, because I, uh, Ira Glass on This American Life did a special about the documentary. Oh. And he, Ira had said, I love it when you turn gay that they scream roses. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny that, I don't know, I felt like it was great, because the This American Life thing, it was like a 12-minute segment. Amazing. I mean, I used to listen to that show growing up and thinking to myself, where does he find these fucking weirdos? Yeah, I'm one of them. That you really made it. I did. No, it felt really good to be on that show because it was true Americana. And I remember thinking, how does he find them? And he found it because, well, I was quite the little, you know, peddling my way. Hustling. I gave you, you said it when I came in, I gave you a VHS and put the camera on me. So I was always trying to... Get that shit. Darren is like one of those guys who stands on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Like, Here, take my DVD. Yeah. No, take my DVD. I was. I'm not like that now, but like I used to be quite well. That's probably why I had such an early start to my career. So yeah. much say success so early. But um uh and yeah. where, where, so You know what's so unusual? You know, so unusual about that though is you were so bold, you know, as as a teenager. You know, to be so openly, you know, addressing gay subjects with your peers, mm -hmm. you know, like I wasn't anywhere near that. Mm. You know, I like I, I I never said a word to anyone about about no, but the thing is, Eric, sexuality. I was ashamed of it back then too. So I had a duality. Just but you were able to make I made the movies, art about I, it. But I didn't show them to anybody. I kept them secret. So that was that was. But at least you were. But you were doing it with it. your with your neighbor I friends. Was, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You had this friend who who was willing to do it. Like that is. And that I, is all his friends. Well, you all enlisted. Sure you enlisted your close friends in well, your yeah, neighborhood. Because they Which were neighborhood was this? Encino. Encino. Yeah. I mean, just up the street from the Jacksons. That's where my dentist is. Could you imagine? Havenhurst and Ventura to Michael. Put the camera on, on something else. The monkey. But like, um, yeah, I was lucky because the kids they were all three years younger than me, so it was easy. I don't want to say control them. Was, <laughs> they easy, looked up to you. It was easy to boss them around. Yeah. And and I went to I was went to an all boys school. I was going to Harvard, which became Harvard Westlake. Mm -hmm. And I was there from seventh grade to twelfth grade. And I was put ahead early in school. I was I guess. A wonderkind. We said it before. Wonderkind. So, yeah. So in eleven. Yeah, you're a couple older years yeah. older than Michael. Yeah. Right. I am. Three no. years. Two or three years. So in seventh grade, I was only eleven, and I asked my bar mitzvah was in ninth, eighth grade. I was thirteen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was twelve in seventh grade. Anyway. Wait, did you have a theme to your bar mitzvah? Did movies. they do that here? Was was movies. movies. Because did your father supply like the celluloid? For My the... father gave us actual celluloid. Yeah. I, I got. I used to collect uh, posters and lobby cards because back then they made the eleven by fourteen lobby cards. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I had. There was the Yentl table. Of course. There was the aliens, Ghostbusters. There were Flashdance. What was your party favorite? Do you remember? 
I don't think I don't know if we had a favorite. Did they not do those here? I don't Did know. Do you have a party favorite? Doug's oh, yes. theme what was, your theme, Doug? was sports. Oh. I'm <laughs> sorry. I wanted Broadway drama. But then what happened? Well, what happened was Ira Dornstein, the caterer, had David Schwartz's barmates for the week before me, and he said to my parents, All I have to do is change David to Doug, and it could say, Welcome to Doug Stadium. So it was sports. So your parents got uh, a disaster. Your parents got a deal. They got a deal, but I insisted. I put so my last foot time down. Doug paid any <laughs> Doug, that's devastating. It, it is devastating, but I had a win. I had a personal win. What was win. the win? I insisted upon an intermezzo course, and I said, I want sorbet served with dry ice cups, and I want smoke oh. pouring out of the sorbet. And I remember the caterer said to my mother, where the hell am I supposed to find cups like that? And I said, you'll find them. And he did. Oh, and we yeah. served like a blackberry sorbet with smoke coming well, out of the And cups. I'm sure that all everyone, the sports everyone talked about it. That's nice. There's Broadway drama for you. There is and, the drama. And we had, um, as party mm-hmm. favors, we had a, a like a glass blower. And he oh. would make any animal you want. Oh, uh, we had someone like okay, that. Again, I don't remember what it was. Out of theme. You know what? But these bar mitzvahs were so ostentatious. Of course. You know what's funny? I, I went to Hebrew school and Sunday school. I remember I went Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday. It was yeah. a lot. A lot. It is a lot. Honey, I'm at Harvard but suffering. Can, I yeah. can still read Hebrew. <laughs> can you still read Hebrew? It was all boys. What? Can you still read Hebrew? No. Oh, I, I forgot see, it as soon as it was over. I was oh, like, fuck I, this. I can still read it, but they don't actually teach you Hebrew. They only teach you how to read it. Mm-hmm. So I can read Hebrew beautifully. No idea what I'm saying. No. Oh. All right, back back to Derek. Okay, Stein, what I was saying, though. You're in Encino. Oh, yeah, the kids um, in the cul-de-sac. Gay snuff films. Gay snuff films, essentially, yeah. <laughs> but you, you corral these I corral them. kids. But the documentary, you know, after I made Jawbreaker, I was offered a lot of teen films to direct, and I just wasn't really that interested in doing that. And I had this book called Box Nine, like this cyberpunk thing I wanted to do, and I couldn't get it off the ground, you know? And I... I, the guy that I went, I grew up with, Adam, is funnily the guy that I sort of like made fun of and tortured a lot growing up. He was like the fat kid on the street, whatever. Can, can you say that word anymore? Pleasantly plump? I don't know, whatever. Uh, physically that. successful. That's what I said. Okay. Rotund. How's that? No, no, you can't say that. <laughs> as, as a fat person, I'll tell you. Don't say fat. Don't say rotund. No, don't I don't juicy. Don't say juicy. Sexy. Physically yeah. successful. No? Lizzo, hasn't Lizzo made Juicy, sexy. Juicy. Yeah. Same. No. Anyway, I was terrible, whatever. (laughs) I was just being tortured in my school and and taking it out on the cul-de-sac. What do you want? Mm. But it's also where I felt safe. Anyway, uh, the documentary was a way for me to finally own something I was ashamed about Mm -hmm. as a kid. You know, as gay men, we are constantly in our lives working through the devastation of our childhoods. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, what's interesting, too, is you you were working through it you know, like, on camera. They had a, a parallel path. <laughs> with your peers. Yeah. I mean, Jawbreakers really was me working through it because it's the high school experience I kind of wanted to have or fantasized about having, you know, to like rule, so you see yourself ruling the school. Like a Judy Greer? I saw myself as the girls ruling the school. Yeah. But but She's no but Judy no but Judy was part of me obviously but I in real life I was more like the Fern character you know so it's like I think there's sure. but I felt like inside I felt like the Rose character I felt like Courtney inside but inside I was but inside yeah. it was all confusing what do you want from me but you <sighs> came out the other end I know so to speak so yes do you stay in touch with Rose McGowan yeah we do okay cool yeah how's she doing she's good yeah good. we met we, we message on Instagram and we text and stuff. She's been I, I worked with her on Charm, didn't you? Yeah. I? You did. Yes, you had a part on Charm. Yeah, she, How was that? Was it fun? She, well, I'm remembering now. It was with Rose yeah. McGowan, and she had a bodyguard. Really? She had a stalker. Uh-huh. And um, it was very strange, because in my scene with her, the bodyguard actually stood in between the two of us until we were, we were rolling. Wow. And then the bodyguard would step out, and she kept apologizing. Um, I didn't give a shit about her because I was wearing a, a, a unitard onesie. <laughs> I had my own battles that day. And I insisted what kind of upon yeah, I played a, a demon, demon who takes Say. a potion and morphs into a bodybuilder. Is that still so, on your resume? I hope that's still on your reel. It, no, it is not on my reel. <laughs> no, trust me, I got rid of that one. But what happened is... The reel is linked below. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For my new reel, please click here. No, um... But they came, wardrobe came, they were like, Doug, here's your wardrobe. And it was this teeny, 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 teeny onesie. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And they said, well, we have a, a guy, a, a big bodybuilder to shoot, and he wears the same thing. Mm-hmm. So then he, I see him, and of course, he looks appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, 
I better get a robe. And so they gave me this huge robe. And of course, on that day, there were like a thousand extras. It was like a Diagon Alley sort of a scene. It was a disaster. Wow. So I don't even remember anything about Rose McGowan other than the bodyguard and my own battles that wow. day. Wow. Mm-hmm. That sounds traumatizing. It was. It was yeah. But it was, I think it was my first green screen mm-hmm. um, acting, which was very, mm-hmm. very interesting. It was a long, long process. Green the leotard? Oh, yeah. If only they could have. If only. Back then, there wasn't the technology back then. Maybe. Do you know our friend Krista Vernoff? I don't. Who, did she write that episode? I no. But she was working at Charmed. Well, she got Charmed after Jawbreaker, because I remember David Janilari was running the network back then. It was called the WB. WB. And he uh, loved her in Jawbreaker, and they put her in Charmed. Oh, roasted. Yeah. 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 But, All right, so continue on. Um, I forgot where, where were we. Well, then, so then what happened? So then you had this big success. So did offers start pouring in? You were talking about you were offered teen films. Yeah, and I kind of turned down a lot of stuff. And then I got, a, I actually got a blind script deal with Green, a company called Greenblatt Genelari, mm-hmm. which was David Genelari and Bob Greenblatt's production company. Because back then... Bob Greenblatt has been here. Oh, cool. He came to a birthday party I had. Did he? Well, let everyone know, Bob Greenblatt now runs, well, he used to run NBC. NBC. Yes. Yeah, he's huge. Anyway, but back then, he and David were producing uh, Six Feet Under, really successful, and I got a blind script deal. They don't really do those any, anymore. And basically, what that meant, meant was you get to pay this big amount of money to develop ideas for producers for a year. I'm an idea man, see? Yeah. TVs. <laughs> TV ideas. So that was fun, and I wrote a pilot for Fox, and then I wrote, a, I sold a pilot to... Um, ABC, it was like a, something to go with Desperate Housewives, it was called The Flyover States. That didn't mm-hmm. go ahead, I, I sold a pilot to um, ABC Family. I, um, I I produced a feature that I didn't write or direct called All About Evil with, Nat- with Natasha Leone that she was in. But this is before Orange is the New Black. This is back when nobody would cast her. She was newly sober. Right. And we became really good. She and went then, through a little... She oh, did. I didn't know that. Mm. Oh, yeah, she had a... I go right from Everyone Says I Love You to that <laughs> movie, the Dinglebat movie, to now. No, but Natasha did GBF, you know, She also was, she was in Party Monster, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might have coincided with a little bit of a difficult time. Yeah, she was getting itty for long, and they were just doing lots of So drugs. you were just living life. You were selling I was, I was doing you stuff, were... you know, um, but I wasn't directing another movie, and so it was sort of... Uh, Frustrating for me because I had so much. You, yeah, I had so much success in my twenties. Yeah, you. And my thirties. Really early. Yeah, like, my thirties were really hard. You directed a, a studio movie before you were thirty. Well, you know it's funny. It's I wouldn't even quite call it a studio movie because it was financed by Columbia TriStar Home Video. Oh, I see. So the budget was not a studio budget. See, it was still a bigger okay, budget than you had had. It was. It was exactly. compared to compared to Sparkler. True, the Sparkler was like seven hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. Jawbreaker was, was three point five million. Right. Not a lot. No. Because the other films that were made in that decade, in in that in those years in the nineties, were by the same studio, which was Sony, where it was Can't Hardly Wait and Cruel Intentions and Idle Hands, things of that sort. And those films were were between seven and fifteen million. Sure. And they were released on two thousand screens. Jawbreaker was made for 3.5 million and was released on 800 screens mm. and didn't have the marketing budget, didn't have anything. It didn't have, I mean, we, I remember the night Jawbreaker came out, uh, we all we went to all the different theaters to watch it and there were certain theaters that didn't have the poster, didn't have the marquee. You know, we didn't have, po- we didn't have billboards around LA, there were not bus. Right, there wasn't like a big there was marketing not arm behind it. But that being said, it was still released on 800 screens, That's which was lot. which is a big deal. And so it was in every town and the people who were meant to, let's just say the people who were meant to find it, found it. They, well, that's Which is good. good, yeah. That's it. No. <laughs> no, right. And it was, it was a true anomaly. And it's really endured. It has. You know, people yeah. really did find it. Yeah, and it's, it's actually quite an anomaly that even got made because it was, it was passed on by every studio in Hollywood. And the, and the, and the Columbia TriStar Home Video, who financed it, ended up becoming Screen Gems. And so they became a legitimate studio run by Clint Culpepper. Clint, yes. was, Clint, mm-hmm. Clint was the executive. Yeah, exactly. Jawbreaker was his first movie. That so you see that it, it really did. It found its home, and it was the right thing. And I really, yeah, I was lucky because Clint was gay. He obviously got the material because the movie has an essential queerness to it. That it does seem like up his alley because he also like he he, he did burlesque into horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he loves horror. Yeah. He loves urban. You know, he did burlesque. Him and Steve Anson. Yeah, what's he doing now? I don't know what Clint's doing. Me neither. I Let's get him on the line. <laughs> he did. Yeah, we'll give him a call. Maybe he'll do the, um, this is happening. Why not? Um, why not? But uh, the movie Jawbreaker premiered at Sundance. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. How, was that your first time there? My first movie there, yeah. 
It's um, terrible, isn't it? So it was nice. the worst time ever. No, oh, no it's so it was incredible. Fun. Yeah, I, 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 I loathe it. Oh well, okay. What's well, more fun when you say the cold? Doug has no, gone. I love the cold. But what happens is that that high altitude, there's no oxygen. Everybody's insides expand, and so everyone gets very gassy, and it smells like gas mm-hmm. everywhere. There's no, mold, there's no cell, there's no cell phone reception. Mm-hmm. The insides of cars smell <laughs> like mud. People come visit you. Their cars get stuck in the snow. Oh, it's untenable. I really, I can't. I, I went to Sundance up. five times. I saw one film the last year and it was a terrible movie. What was it? <laughs> it was about Lyme disease. I think it was called Lyme disease. Lyme. It was called Lyme. Old Lyme. Lyme disease. <laughs> There's a flea in my soup. It was called something like that. Oh, I got to go. Horrible. Oh. I actually, I think I've only been three times at Sundance, but I, 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 I've it's had fun. A, I've had a good time. Once you have, when you have a film there, it's the best. I think oh, it's a course. different story. Yeah, you're there attached it was to a film fun. you're in. But but uh, that was a, a shocker. That that, that, that jawbreaker premiered at Sundance yeah. because I remember Clint saying because it was already acquired. It wasn't looking for. Work. No, but the thing is, that Jawbreaker was the first time that Columbia Transfer Home Video um, produced. Up until then, they'd only ever acquired okay. acquired international. So this was indie. a homegrown for them. Yeah. Yes. And so Clint was always uh, feeding films to Sundance. Sure. To Jeff Gilmore at the time was running it. Yes. And Jeff called Clint and said, "What do you got for me? What do you got for me this year?" And Clint said, "Oh, we have nothing for you this year." And he's like, "Well, we have this thing we call Jawbreaker, but it's not Sundance." And Jeffrey's like, "I want to see it." And Jeff watched it and said, I want to show this. And what I found out later was that jo- uh, Sundance has a history of showing teen films. They showed Heathers. They oh. showed Pump Up the Volume. They showed um, Jawbreaker. And then recently, Assassination Nation, which is sort of like the, the first film of the guy who did um, Euphoria, the HBO, oh. the HBO series. So um, they, do, they, do, they did do teen films. So it was really fun. It was a good time having it there. Yeah. So much. Amazing. Um, so what's what are you doing now? What's, what, what's I have a pilot uh, that I, I, I wrote with George Northey, who wrote GBF, and we sold it to the CW, and we're finding out by the end of January if it becomes if we make it, which and is exciting. Is it's about celebrity spies. Remember, remember, Ooh. remember back in the forties, like Hedy Lamarr and Josephine Baker and um, Noel. Not personally, but Noel Coward. You're much older than I am. Noel Coward. Oh, Noel yes. Coward. Yeah, and he's. Uh, my spy play that I did, the Crimson Cabaret. Oh yeah, Noel Coward was a character in that where he, he was, was actually a spy. Mm-hmm. There's there's this history of old Hollywood of that spies. happening. But this, but we take that conceit and we bring it to a modern day world where. Eddie Lamar in modern day. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually a trans supermodel, and <laughs> there's trans. and the, yeah, there's a trans supermodel. Well, Eric, there's a role for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and there's like that's, that's, that's deeply problematic. And there's like a Billy Lord type actress who's like the daughter of a Meryl Streep or Terry Fisher type mother. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a Demi Lovato type pop star. Oh, and basically, okay. what happens is the CIA has a, a secret arm where they recruit celebrities who are having career issues, and they offer to sort of rehab their careers in exchange for this person going on global missions for the CIA. And, they, and these three girls pretend to be a squad. You know, like you have the Paris Hilton. Yeah. You know, those kind of squads that happen. Yeah. And the cover is the celebrity. The cover is, is, is you know... The, they're in town for an event. Or... Yeah. Exactly. And they're overseen by this woman named Hazel, who used to be a supermodel in the 90s, and she's modeled after Naomi Campbell. And you find out that Naomi, you know, when she, back when she used to throw her phone at people? Of those were covers for missions. Oh. She doesn't really have her sandwiches, you know? So it's like, it takes, it's a satire about celebrity. It's really fun. The show's called Infamous because a lot of these, a lot of their shenanigans make them infamous, more infamous than famous sometimes. Yeah, there was a, there was an announcement. Yeah, it was in the deadline, yeah. 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 So that's exciting. All right, so you're, we're going to find Doing out that. Doing that. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Poo, poo, poo. And then um, I have two movies, uh, one of which is, is called Kill the Boy Band. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like it's sort of about fangirls who accidentally kill a member of a boy band, <gasps> and oh. have to have to get his body out of a hotel. Accidental <laughs> murders is your thing. Well, <laughs> this is based on a book, a, okay. y, a YA novel that I adapted as a feature. Okay. That's um, I had a great I had a meeting with STX before the holidays, STX Studios. Yeah. So maybe they might finance it, which would be incredible. Scooter Braun's company is producing it. It's a, mu- it's a, it's a musical because oh, there's, there's, oh, like, n- there's like boy band numbers and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really exciting project. Maybe, and then the, maybe, uh, maybe Justin Bieber will be involved. You never know. <laughs> and then the third project is, uh, is a, darker, a darker film that I found 
about a, it's instead of about a 12 year old girl who gets pregnant mysteriously mm-hmm. she's like this shy introverted girl and she, but she's not she's not showing any signs of trauma or emotional or physical trauma and she's convinced that the pregnancy she got made pregnant by her imaginary friend that she still has at age uh, at age twelve. It's uh, very Agnes of God. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I've Anne I've Anne Hesh attached to that. No. Mm-hmm. Anne Hesh. Mm-hmm. What is she doing? Well, she's about to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, well, she's available. I no, listen, the deals are not done yet. So this oh. is all like. Oh. But, she, it's, but no. But me and Anne have met, and Harry Connick Jr. is interested in playing perhaps opposite her. So Lovely. hopefully Harry will say yes. You know, have you met all, him yet? We talked on the phone. Oh. But you know, these things all have to come together, you know? My friend is his stylist. Oh, cool. <laughs> Margaret Chow. Is his weaveologist. Margaret Chow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Margaret yes, Chow. Oh, I, I know Margaret yeah, She wants, fantastic. I, um, she played the woman, she's sort of like Anna, this kind of uber Christian woman in town who uh, spreads the rumor that the girl is the Immaculate Conception. So the tone, yeah, the tone is very, um, it's somewhere between, I would say, Gus Van Sant's Elephant and Ghost World. So that, it's, it's, it's a dark family, it's dark. a dark family drama, but it also has dark humor to it. Yeah. But it's not, unple- I wouldn't say it's like torture, it's not unpleasant, you know. Well, it, that's good. I, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're not describing the genre of your next project as unpleasant. Yeah, because, I mean. Unless that's what you're going for. Mm-hmm. I want it to be mm-hmm. as unpleasant as possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's disturbing. But it's supernatural. Provocative. You know? and, it, it and it doesn't fall cleanly into, you can't say it's a horror movie, and you can't say it's like just a drama or just a, it has, you know, elements of dark comedy. But mm-hmm. I like films that push the boundaries of genre. I think that's interesting. I mean, they make them harder to get made, but yeah. I think they're, they, they become stories that I, you know, we haven't seen, that, it, you know, take us someplace new, you know? Yeah. And I, I did not write this. This was written by a, a young writer. It was his first screenplay. A friend of mine read the script at a at a at the IFC I think screenwriting lab in New York, and sent the script to me, and said I think you might like this. And then I, I read the script, I loved it, and I developed it with the writer. Oh, that's great. But when I got the script, the title was it was called Some Kind of Miracle, and so it sat on my desktop for like a few months. That's <laughs> an untoward title. title. Like <laughs> the title was such a turnoff to me, I just didn't want to read it. Mm-hmm. And then one day I just sort of you know one day you sort of double click and yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, I mean, you've really made your way, you know, here in, in, in Hollywood. Um, do, you, do you have any regrets? No. I mean, I don't believe in regrets because yeah. you can't go back. You know, you just keep looking forward. And I mean, you've had, you've had an amazing career. Thank you. you. You've yeah. Made, you've made some great, you know, great things. I'm sure some great things are on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even the casting of Veronica Cartwright over Christine Eckersall, not a regret? No, no. no. I mean, how could you? How could you regret that? No, and Veronica is to this day a friend. Living is true love. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget when I first met Veronica, you know, I was such a, she tells a story where I kept on touching her because I loved her so much from like Alien and yeah. Witches of Eastwick and I was 25, so I was over excited. She was like a, a star. And then she, in Jawbreaker, what a great get Pam Greer was. She's great. And, and, and Carol and I are still friends. Carol and, Kane. Uh, Carol Kane. Yeah. Yeah, Carol Kane was so. Yeah, Pam, we just lucked out. Pam was like a timing thing. You know, we really lucked out for that. I think that I think you, I think you're right about the timing thing. It's yeah. just then, like she's had moments where she was more engaged, mm-hmm. and more available to mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and then she had more times when she was, you know, like I remember, like when I was first, um, uh, you know, I, I was here, you know, in LA, and, and I was working. I, I did some work on the. Um, uh, marketing of um, uh, mm-hmm. and was invited to the premiere of it and you know like people I was with you know were all like um, we were given our tickets and like we were it was like one of those I think he often has his premieres on like one of those big Westwood um, mm-hmm. movie places and so you know like our tickets were in the balcony, and I was like, oh, I don't want to sit up there. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to go find a seat, you know, in the, right. in the you know, main, you know, in the orchestra. Yeah. And so I go, <laughs> and I find myself sitting somewhere, and um, uh, it turns out I'm sitting in Pam Greer's seat. Mm. 
<laughs> and I'm just, for, for the Jackie Brown promotion. Right. That's and a great I'm, story. Yeah. So I, I had to leave. I was like, oh, excuse me. So you two aren't close. No, <laughs> we're not. She didn't like, oh, Alas. join me. No, she was like, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So, Darren, mm-hmm. uh, before we say mm-hmm. goodbye, uh, is there a place that you would send people to learn more info about you? Is there like a dot com or, or Indonesia? Or, or, or our friends in India. I would just say Instagram is the best place. Instagram? What yeah. is your Instagram? It's just Darren? at Darren Stein. D-A-R-R-E. And we will, of course, put that in our... Um, you know, or Twitter. Same on Twitter. Yeah. Do you, Great. Do you tweet? I don't tweet a lot, but I'm on there. I have my Insta thing set to put out a Twitter thing when we didn't do an Instagram thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel the need to tweet. Tweeting is untoward. Yeah. Tweeting is for, for Donald Trump. Very untoward. <laughs> untoward. Yeah, leave yeah. it to yeah. the president. Yeah. Us. So, <laughs> Darren, Darren, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for you having have, me. I mean, you have set a high bar where it's going to go downhill after this. i got to tell you. Friends. It's, it's going to have to. Next guest. It's going to have to. But uh, yes, Darren Stein, thank you for taking it's, the time. Thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate it. I really Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Nice talking to you, Dan. And thank you, friends, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. That was fun.